0: Hello everyone. Welcome to another Azure Centering podcast about the Azure news and what it is for this week with updates. With with me I have my partner in crime. Andrew, how are you today?
1: I am really good. Thank you so much for having me, Marcos. Pleasure yeah. to be with you again.
0: It's nice. I have to say that is is the um, the way that we receive our feedback of this new model of weekly being talking about all of these uh, updates and new features and enhanced features that uh, Azure have is been greatly thank you. Thank you very well everyone for, for giving me that feedback. Uh, I hope that you like it. We will be here every single week, me and Andrew. Uh, sometimes I will try to invite um, other people um, other professionals that they, they work on the field to give their vision of what is coming on Azure and what is that going to impact in this case your organization uh, and how is those features can help you um uh, utilize more even more the cloud. So we have the our source source of truth is the Azure blog, the updates. Mm-hmm. Um, we left last week uh while we were recording this session uh they released a new update this is how fast they have uh this week we only have uh we only identified four um, new updates that we uh, thought that was um, important to bring it and one of them is they introduced this on ignite uh, 2020 that is the microsoft cloud for healthcare mm-hmm. um uh, it's an interesting concept. Um, what, what is your first impressions uh, now that is available on the markets? Andrew?
1: So for me, when it first came out, the way I read it is it sounded a bit like it was uh, kind of modeled the same way as Azure Government. And I think, you know, when we chatted about that, um, you know, we kind of came away from reading the initial article, uh, thinking that it was a fully segregated, uh, like a fully segregated data center physically. And we did learn something about that, yes. And uh, we learned that, in fact, it's not completely separated, but it is definitely isolated and there's a focus on increased security. Um, so uh, it's more of it's a much more secure computing environment and uh, analysis environment. So uh, within that, you know, we have kind of the, the, the platform and the infrastructure. So everything's encrypted Physically, uh, as it comes uh, through uh, memory, a disk, a memory, transit, and processor, all through that whole process, uh, there's encryption in place. So that's what makes it a little bit more special, I think, for healthcare. Um, really helps with all of the complex uh, uh, compliance requirements that are in healthcare today across not just North America, but worldwide. So uh, I think you know Azure's gone a long way with that. It definitely, as we know, it takes a lot of compute uh, calculations and uh, processor cycles to handle that heavy uh, encryption that's needed for compliance in all those areas. Yeah. But on top of that, uh, we were also talking um, a little bit about this release. There's some other things that kind of come along with just the security pieces. So uh, Healthbot, was something that really jumped out at me, and uh, actually, I'm really proud uh, of the fact that Microsoft took a lead with that. So they deployed thousands and thousands of these automated chat bots to help with COVID diagnosis and, you know, stop uh, people from flooding emergency rooms and COVID testing centers. You know, and this is worldwide. Uh, everybody, you know, this affects everybody. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if, uh, you're out at the cottage or in a big city, it doesn't matter where you are. You're impacted somehow now by COVID-19. So it's a big deal. And the fact that Microsoft dedicated resources, secure resources and, uh, has really been empowering, uh, different healthcare agencies around the world to try and reduce the physical load of people, uh, congregating in one area for testing and all those things. That's a big deal. Um, it's, I, it's really cool. Uh, that they were uh, so fast with it as well,
0: yeah, I agree. and 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 I was talking um when this release, after this release, uh, uh, I was talking even with you offline and with other MVPs as well and other professionals. And what is exciting about this is uh, is like like you mentioned, uh, I got an impression that to re, to ignite. That this was a kind of a segue uh, of, like you mentioned, of the Azure government. It is a totally different physical uh, location of Azure. They are not, um, or at least this is this is not. We don't know that. Uh, we cannot. But that, that's
1: true. We're not allowed to go and uh, just demand a tour of a data center. Although. Exactly. Uh, Mr. Rasanovich, please. Uh, we're open to that.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you want to contribute or if you participate in this podcast, uh, be my guest. Uh, I'm more than welcome to, to participate on that and to clarify clarify us. Um, but in this case, what I like about this is 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 a bunch of services, basically. Mm-hmm. If I can resume that 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 it's it's a very nice very nice article. It talks about the innovation that Microsoft is having. And if you follow us at um, at YouTube, you see seeing, you seeing our uh, our screen, um, and follow us on on all of that. And one of the good things about this is is that it talks about the Azure APIs for the fast healthcare interoperability resource. And this is basically what I was saying that after reading this and after talking with a friend of mine that they are more into the healthcare, um, using all of these services, it's it's basically locking down all of the past services that they are behind it. And probably they are on a different type of subset of hardware. We don't know that because that's the, the beauty of the cloud. Um, but it's way more locked down. It's like kind of a reserve computing, a reserve part of Azure, if you can say so. Um, that allow them to just ingest data on a different ways that we uh, outside of Azure, uh, Microsoft Cloud for Healthcare, we do uh, for them to process following the, usually the IPA uh, compliance and all of that, right? Um,
1: But it's
0: more like a more dedicated service for all of this and This was during the pandemic uh, that we had the um, that we had um, the notification. I got the notification a little bit earlier uh, regarding an MVP. But under NDA, I cannot discuss all of those all of those things. Um, But it's very impressive because we don't know if it was really during the pandemic that they kind of flipped that switch, they saw the opportunity of innovation or more innovation on Azure, and they are leading this. Uh, this is the part that I love about our job. It's it's a, every single day, uh, it's a different uh, way to do it. Um, when this um, being released, I don't know if they are still counting votes in US uh, or not, but it will help them uh, in this case to to, to doing uh, all of these healthcare, and all of these services, right? I think it's really special to do that.
1: Yeah, and uh, my takeaway for that is, you know, this is something that's going to, I think, filter out, uh, you know, to other business models as well, not uh, just isolated within healthcare. So as we have more and more personal data that's already in the cloud, people are becoming more aware in general and uh, you know they, they read about you know these data breaches, uh, so you know people are much more concerned with encryption of data, security of their personal data. So it's not just within healthcare. Certainly, you know we have a much bigger scope um, overall. But uh, I I thought it was just a, a really cool thing, um, you know, and certainly you know launching the bot service uh, throughout the pandemic and uh, taking advantage of all of the AI. Uh, Power that's within Azure. So you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about one of the other news updates later, but it's about getting the data in to your tenant in Azure and then really taking advantage of the scalable cloud computing and processing model. So uh, you know again with other business models we have different types of data and different ways we uh, want to utilize it, but really the needs are quite common across many businesses. So you want to secure it. You want to get it, you know, collected, get it ingested into your Azure tenant, and then store it, process it, analyze it, and do things with it, generate some actions out of that. Okay. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of commonalities, and uh, I just I I think that you know, the steps. I think we talked uh, after our uh, last recording last week when we were looking at this release. Um, I was excited about uh, some of the IoT parts of it. Yes. Um, so. Uh, I think of, uh, you know, my life with uh, COVID changes now, right? So uh, being able to track movements through buildings, uh, especially in very large buildings, right? So uh, here in Calgary, uh, I think of plus 15. So imagine the kind of cleaning uh, regimen that everybody has to go through, those staff now, uh, disinfecting, spraying handles, wiping things off, uh, the floors, uh, you know, like I always think of the poor sneeze guard on the the salad bar, um, you know. I guess now we get to joke. Can you imagine people used to go to a salad bar together? Oh my gosh! <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. And, and and it's interesting because all of this on healthcare. Uh, usually, when we doing when we have this conversation, and and, and you know, in, in a lot of the customers that we've been working uh, together. Um, when it talks about healthcare, we're talking about patient's information mm-hmm. and the, the dangers of that information just going out of the world, right? Like you mentioned, this is dedicated. This is probably a dedicated infrastructure. We don't know that, but certainly it's a, it's a new way of service that Azure provides and allows them to interact with all of those, like you mentioned, IOT devices. Uh, mm-hmm. it's not only for that, it's like even to help them to process, imagine one of the things that they open the, and, and they mentioned over here in this article, um, that the, the medical image service for DICOM that is open source, um, is a streamlined process that they basically doing all the ingest, ingesting medical imaging data into cloud and they can they can basically uh, get all the power because usually those machines that you're doing um the 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 c can C T ctks whatever the mras that exactly doctor, i'm not a, i'm not a doctor i apologize for that um but all all of those things um using the power of the cloud it will help them even to um, reduce the time of diagnostics and 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 uh, help everyone's so it's basically straightening up what they have uh, on every single healthcare um person healthcare hero right mm-hmm. uh, to just help them to just magnify that even on other things if you read the the article with the the genoma that they want to decodify the genoma uh, and everything else um, mm-hmm. and even on the vaccines we if we saw all of that, uh, uh, leading on uh, innovation, um, it's, it's really powerful. Uh, and that's, that's, let's jump to the, to the second one, to the second, with this innovation one, that is the part of Microsoft, uh, regarding Gartner 2020, uh, magic quadrant. It's one of the leaders regarding industrial IoT platforms. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's reinforced what we are talking about, about this innovation, about the way that Microsoft is seeing that the cloud, especially Azure, it's it's built all for this, right? And that's the part that it really embraces. Uh, on the last episode, we talked about IoT, especially on buildings, on smart buildings. And that was, it's a very good way that they, a few days after that's coming on this podcast right now on this week, they are reinforcing that, and uh, mm-hmm. especially again with a lot of COVID. So apparently, regarding technology speaking, and I apologize uh, in advance from what I was about to say, but COVID, what it's good in our industry, right? It's been a disruptive way and a good disrupting way. To promote innovations, to promote other areas that probably they will take longer to to get there, right? Mm-hmm. And and this it's another way, just to to see it that our Microsoft now is one of them. And if you see the other partners, for example, we are not here to bash any other uh, um, company, but it's it's interesting to see that, for example. The other big uh, cloud partners, or not cloud partners, the cloud providers, they are a little bit away um, Mm. from them.
1: Well, they're they're in that niche players category, right? So they have a very specialty offering that really speaks to a very specific category. Where uh, Microsoft, as a leader, has met all of the Gartner requirements to elevate them a little bit higher. And uh, put them in there. So it's important to note that Microsoft, in that leader category, is not the top performer. So we're not uh, going to, you know, really endorse uh, other brands. <laughs> but we are going to say that it's important that, uh, you know, we know that there's different offerings out there for different niche needs. Exactly. And it's, uh, you know, you're the same as myself. You know, it's always about uh, choosing the right option for the client. And uh, in this case, we're talking about industrial IoT, and definitely Microsoft has gone uh, to you know great lengths to perform uh, across a wide band of categories very very well. Uh, so one of the one you know like we talked uh, in the healthcare one a little bit about IoT as well, and you know we talk about uh, data collection. And uh, I think you know Microsoft has done a very solid job, especially emphasizing it through uh, the whole COVID challenges. They've, re- they've uh, retained the focus on digital transformation, and they do talk about that throughout this article. That uh, you know we've actually accelerated digital transformation. say it's, it's the same that you were talking about. So the whole uh, pandemic challenges that everybody's had, uh, different businesses and different people, different technology users. Um, everyone has really accelerated in the digital transformation. And Microsoft has been uh, supporting that, especially through uh, industrial IoT. So one of the things I, you know, as you may remember, I have some uh, manufacturing background from, uh, I'm going to say, a few years ago. Um, First, I worked in a steel industry and then I worked in uh, solid wood furniture. And I've seen different uh, manufacturing lines. Uh, I've had my hands on product and uh, I think I have a a bit of a a different understanding than some people in technology that just approach it from a strictly analysis view. So uh, it's kind of fun for me when I see different ways of data collection and uh, really analyzing how we can accelerate, how we can scale production methods and make the business more efficient. Uh, that's really exciting for me, right? So, um, you know, we think of kind of, uh, I think of Kanban um, uh, methodology where we make minor changes uh, constantly to improve. So it's always about continuous improvement, minor changes, always tweaking, always improving and getting better. Now we can measure those things really well in, I, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm going to say 99% of cases I think can be monitored using some kind of data now, and we can actually measure the results of changes, minor changes. So uh, it doesn't come down to you or I sitting with a spreadsheet looking at data, we can get it into Azure. And again, here we are with IoT data collection. Once it's in our Azure tenant, now we have a good data set, we can actually apply uh, analysis, reporting, alerting, all of the things that we need but now it's even so much cooler that i i get really excited about this because now we take those data and we say okay so uh you know andrew made this change on this machine at this time and we noticed that production decreased slightly down the line because something else it led to a different change so now you can send a signal back to the machine and automatically revert that change yeah so there's really cool things that we can do to optimize performance in an automated and scalable way. It's fully scalable. It's so exciting for me. I'm sorry, I kind of hijacked your conversation.
0: No, that, no that's OK, because one of the things that when talks about industry um, uh, or in the industrial IoT, and this is one of the topics that I like to talk with with you and, and Georgia, for example, um, is uh, I like the way that, for example, um, AMG, the Mercedes AMG, the performance Mm. part of Mercedes, uh, they do all of these um, big data analysis, IOT and everything else that they are doing. Um, Because um, if you you are a a petrol head like me and you like all of those details, uh, and if you were able to visit the factory, for example, you will see that, for example, on on AMG, um, they even they record uh, the pressure that they are tightening the screws. So they have a machine that they have everything by by getting the data. Say even that screw, uh, everything it's 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 with uh, tagging with IoT device. Everything else, it's just basically goes and they have the policy of one man one motor for example um so the same person that starts things to build the motor ends to build the motor uh in this case for example and they will know if if that setup, like you mentioned um that you would just for example by whatever it is the pressure of 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 tightening that screw will interfere or not on the longevity of the motor or even the performance right and that's one of the reasons for example that right now a mercedes on f1 it's so ahead of the competition and mm-hmm. and because of that because of all of that way of collecting data processing the data spitting out all of those configuration setups and everything else that will make them um, way more efficient because it's it's all about efficiency at the end if you if you look at it right. Um, talking about efficient, and we already been on long on this topic. Uh, comes another one of the uh, announcements that now we'll have another Azure uh, PowerShell module, right? Mm-hmm. And it's right of our alley, and I already assume that we're going to talk forever about this topic. <laughs> I don't know why I have just an impression.
1: (laughs) Okay, so yeah, we get a little excited about PowerShell between the two of us, right? (laughs) And When we think about uh, automation and we think about uh, Azure Migrate, I mean, oh my gosh! So we're kind of a little bit in heaven. Uh, so thank you, Microsoft. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, uh, this is a really important announcement as well. So it's not just uh, you know exciting for you and I. Um, you know, Azure Migrate has been a solid tool for you know a few years now, right? So uh, I know for at least uh, three years, it's been really dialed in. It's worked well. And, you know, they continuously, like everything it's in reliable, Azure. It's stable, it's stable. Exactly. And, and, and
0: yeah, and that's, I think that's the important part uh, uh, to talk about Azure Migrate, and I'm a huge fan. I've been talking about Azure Migrate on, I don't know how many years already. I think I influenced you as well uh, on, <laughs> on, not on last Ignite, but on last uh, physical, I don't know how to say the physical Ignite. Ignite twenty nineteen mm-hmm. I had two sessions of talking about this as well. Um yes. and and I'm really passionate about and this is a preview, so it means that is brand new stuff, it's not in HACET. Um and yeah. Uh at scale Azure Migration Automation with Azure PowerShell, uh the new module that they are doing and they even provide some sample codes that I've I already start to use. On my lab, and my, oh my god, uh, yeah, it's it's. it's interesting.
1: yeah, because before before our recording session, I actually did already go to uh, GitHub and uh, I grabbed some samples and some code because, uh, well, you know, let's be honest, uh, it's nice to talk about technology, but uh, I am, you know, I can openly admit for uh, the whole internet here, you know, I'm a hands-on guy, and I need uh, to use these things yeah. for me to really learn and understand them. And that's one of the awesome things. I talk it about it a lot on my own blog, separate. But it's something you know I did learn with you together, and I've taken away is you know Azure gives us this opportunity to work on things for free. We get the Azure trial. We get uh, the opportunity to go in and you know get our hands dirty, play with things in a non-production environment. And if we make a mistake while we're learning, well, that's okay. Yes. Uh, that's how we're gonna learn from it. Yeah. And uh, I, I know I don't wanna get too sidetracked from news, but um, I think it's important to say, uh, you know, that we can go hands-on and we can practice and we can be destructive in a non-impacting way, right? So we can, you know, what happens if I just delete this running production server in my test environment kind of thing, right? And, you know, we can see what happens, but it's also a good way to get in and do testing yeah. and learn new technologies. Like PowerShell Azure Migrate module. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to give a foundation. So, if you're not familiar with Azure Migrate as a kind of a, a tool, there's kind of two modes. So, first, you have to put it into your, what I'm going to call a non Azure environment. So, you can install it in uh, AWS, you can install it in uh, Google Cloud, you know, on prem, doesn't matter. Uh, as long as it's an environment that's uh, got a Windows platform, you can install on a server. Like you install the image. Um, you and I have done lots of VMware migrations, and uh, we, you know, you stand up the server. You can do agent or agentless. So agentless is fun, uh, really easy. You do lots of collection. You get all kinds of data, and you can analyze. And yeah. uh, you know, you can bring physical machines using an agent mode. For Azure Migrate. Uh, But really, just kind of as a very light, uh, high level uh, kind of a background, it's a tool that you put in your non Azure environment and it allows you to upload whole servers, whole VMs or physical and put it into Azure. It doesn't mean you flip it over right away, but you are uh, ingesting that data uh, and uploading it to Azure in your Azure tenant. So now, not having to do necessarily graphical stuff. We can do some PowerShell stuff. So I, I smell a demo coming up in the future for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, smell,
0: I smell more like a, a, a nice conversation only about talking about Azure Migrate and all of those components. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I've been able to play with this uh since it's it's been released and it's been released only a uh a few hand a few handful of days uh, mm-hmm. ago um is 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 basically doesn't change much on Azure Migrate. So Azure Migrate did change in a few months ago a lot. Uh yes, on the version two upgrades. let's call it this way. On the version two um it's been always based on ASR the, uh, the uh, DSR part of it of the, of uh, Azure. Um, but it's, it's one of the components that I like, and this is where is, he, again, this is preview, okay? This is not like we are not saying that go to the GitHub, starting to download that code and starting to do it because there are a few things that you need to be careful with. Uh, first of all is preview. Uh, and by true. again, preview means that they're going to change. Okay. Um, it's not supportable. It's not supportable in production because it's not production ready. And when it comes production, probably you need to redeploy everything again. Uh, this is our experience uh, with, with Preview. But it gives you the taste what is coming. And it gives Microsoft the way that you can um, report some... Bugs, for example, and make even more this more powerful um, mm-hmm. for the future. That's that's the beauty of the of the previews, right? But there yeah. are a lot so- of things that this um, it's allows you to do. So one of mm-hmm. the things that Azure Migrate uh, does, and I love that part, is the discovery, and the part that gives you all that insight. On what yeah, what are you migrating from? Doesn't matter what, right? To Azure, so like you mm-hmm. said, Hyper-Vs, VMware physical machines, other clouds. It doesn't matter what it, what is the source. The end is going to be Azure, Azure, um, mm-hmm. and all of this is based on that. So what I like about this is you can install this Azure uh, PowerShell module that is the Azure Migrate partial module. Uh, the way that works is is the way that we love it. We have a spreadsheet. So you can extract the spreadsheet from the Azure Model Migrate, okay? You can now load that spreadsheet. It's, it's. I don't know if you already saw uh, the difference between the spreadsheet that they already produce or they are looking for and, and the spreadsheet already compared. So there is no much of a difference of a work that you need to do it. So that's a good thing. That's a good for me. It's, a it'll, it'll it's be a...
1: relatively familiar. So if you understand uh, Azure Migrate, then in the graphical sense, I guess I should say. So if you understand the graphical uh, previous um, way they've implemented uh, Azure Migrate, then it's going to feel much more natural um, moving to PowerShell. So one of the cool things that I like about this, of course, discovery. I have to jump on that train. Um, that's a big deal because uh, now I want. I did want to talk a little bit. I want to rewind. So, do you remember years ago we implemented uh, Azure migrate as uh, an emergency kind of a DR method? So we used the Azure uh, Azure uh, Site Recovery, the ASR. That underlies it, kind of powers Azure migrate for us. We utilized that, and we gave uh, kind of a a medium large size business instant uh, DR protection from uh, their their initial data center uh, up into Azure, and that's really uh, well. I don't know. I get excited. It's a bit magical because yeah, you know it's It gives us the power of Azure. And uh, I remember you helped me with that. That was one of my my first uh, big implementations with it. And it was this pressure kind of off my shoulders, right? So now we know okay, so we have everything replicated up to Azure. So if everything uh, can go sideways from on prem or whatever your situation is, you now have a way to restore machines into Azure. of course, that is the purpose of doing Azure Migrate, but uh, when you use it as kind of a, a sideways with ASR, um, it also provides a bit of a way to uh, reduce your stress and stop so many gray hairs. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> What I like about this is, this is start like we like we mentioned with, with ASR, right? And now mm-hmm. we're starting to deviate a little bit more the conversation to that, but it starts with ASR. And the part of ASR, it was, a tool that was built for disaster recovery mainly okay uh, that that hence the name azure um sites recovery right uh with it, it starts if you're going back on this it starts with hyper-v v recovery manager that was the, the 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 starting this was in if i'm not mistaken 2013 if i'm not yeah. mistaken um at that time i was I was one of the first ones to use it because being an being an Hyper-V MVP at that time gives me that that um, possibility of of using this uh, as a, as a beta test at that time. Um, and since then, if you see, that's why this is dear to our hearts with Azure Migrate and especially with PowerShell. Because to be very honest, with the uh, enhancement and evolution of ASR. Uh, in, I think it was last July, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken, that becomes the Azure Migrate version two, Uh, that is another big enhancement. Um, But there was always one part that for us, that we like to automate and we are doing thousands of these migrations already, it was uh, missing. That is the part of being able to automate, be able to to any part of the, of the part uh, going to Azure PowerShell in this case and, and be able to start the replication to configuring, to doing whatever we want to do it besides those bunch of jobs that we used to use, that we need to use the, the, the GUI because right now, for example, and this is the beauty of it, of this is, if you are familiar with Azure Migrate, even on the version, on the last version, you still need to go to the portal to kick off and to implement all of that and to have all of that really scoped and everything else usually you have a spreadsheet right with all of those machines that you are grouping up and you want to do it and you want to based again on a discovery or not it doesn't matter right this mm-hmm. allows us to spend time offline in this case on those on those, um, on those X files, right? Excel files in this case, um, and be able to do this. And even during like Friday night, uh, connecting to, to my phone, right? Connecting to the cloud using Azure PowerShell uh, in this case, or even Azure, uh, the Azure PowerShell module to just be able to start the replication um, remotely so because it's it's going to be really difficult i tried that uh to start the replication um through the phone right uh because it's it's so many steps that you need to follow regarding the the gui that this allows you to be automated it it's not even that it might sound that i want to be lazy or i want to work after hours or whatever it is but it's not that; it's like allows uh, allow us to just kick off this with automation. So allow oh, us. But that's
1: to part kick of the realities, right? Yeah. So that's that's something that we have to deal with as uh, administrators. You know, hands on doing things. So we have to do a lot of these kinds of things after hours. So the ability to pre write a script. Have it ready to fire, and then go in off our mobile while we're out for dinner with a you know friend or family, uh, say 7 p.m. or something on Friday. That's your your time you're allowed to start your replication. Or business has died down in the office, and people have gone home. So then you can start to load your connection a bit heavier. So you know, that's just part of what we deal with. You know, I think you and I we get used to it. And, you know, somebody, you know, a client says, okay, so, uh, you know, uh, Marcos, can you uh, help us on Friday afternoon with this? Yeah, sure. No problem. But, but, you know, I think a lot of other people, well, you know, I want to go to the golf course or, you know, go for a hike or something. But uh, that's just part of our role uh, as, I don't know, technologists, I guess, Um, you know, we'd. We have to work a lot of times when everybody else goes home, uh, because a lot of what we do can impact the way that the rest of the company or the rest of the office works. Um, so it's just part of the deal. Uh, yeah. You know, we accept that at the start.
0: Yeah, and 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 allows us to be way more efficient because usually you don't want to uh, because if you are using Azure Migrate, and this is another way that. I'm. I'm already starting to thinking on on the customers that I've been implementing this, or I'm implementing right now, to say to them, "Hey, look, we can be way more efficient because, um, as everyone knows, if you are familiar with Azure Migrate, um, especially the part of synchronization, like like you mentioned, it's the first part of the first synchronization is the most hardest one because you it are is basically so much data. It is you are basically lifting do you have on the VM on-prem to the cloud so we're talking yeah. about gigabytes of, of data terabytes of data
1: and it's not just the release. network right it's it's also the processing uh, because so, it has to read the yeah. VM or the physical and it's it's doing a lot of processing and and uh, blocks it's making the blocks of data to send to your replication server to then replicate up to Azure
0: and it's so not, it's not only that it's like when it finish, you don't know if you when it finished, other that you are going to the portal and started to refresh and refresh exactly. and refresh and oh it finished right now. So with this, one of the beauties of this special in automation is I can schedule, I can starting to see because again it's PowerShell model, is a specific PowerShell model, starting to see when it finish to kick off the other one, the other group that I need to synchronize so exactly yeah we can really VFs. automate the whole chain yeah exactly um, it's not like I need to be there looking at the progress bar because yes we have I don't know how many years on, on ID and if I if I got uh, like a, a, a dollar for any progress bar that I've been watching for the last 20 years uh, I'll probably be uh, playing golf with Bill Gates
1: <laughs> it's true but you know so uh you know this helps move forward again uh, right it's another step forwards uh yeah. moves more to automation and helps reduce that hands on touching so no longer do you have to sit and watch the progress bar i mean i suppose you could um you know cheers with a cup of coffee and such but exactly. uh, you know, sometimes it's nice to have a five-minute break. Uh, I we, we can all agree on that. But other times, you know, you you're trying to stagger these jobs, so you may have multiple data centers, multiple connections, replication servers, all these things. Depending on how you're scaling things out, uh, you know, you can schedule a little bit of PowerShell. Yeah. And uh, now uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to make Azure migrate even more powerful. I didn't even think it was possible, but here we go. Yeah. So. One of the things I know we've talked about this uh, so much, but yeah. uh, you know there is uh, samples that they've already published. So out of the Azure blog, um, there's yeah. code samples on GitHub, and uh, I was just reading now. There's actually a full tutorial on using uh, the Azure PowerShell to automate migration of VMware virtual machines into Azure. Yeah. So using this brand new module now preview, we I think you know we should emphasize it's in preview.
0: Preview. yeah <laughs> and, and even if you go into the samples and, and we can go there on the samples even if you're going on the samples they really say that there are a few things that you need uh, to, to, to see it so the current limitations for example so this script supports VMware VMs for example with all the disks but it's based again like we were talking about on the Azure migrated discovery part what they call the assessment recommendations so yes. if you don't do the assessment recommendations basically all of this is going to be either standard or premium discs uh, and then it's up to you to just start to change so it's it's highly recommended that you're going on this you have a lot of uh a lot of scripts as you can see over here uh on this and we already started to deviate a little bit uh, more about these news but it's it's us right we cannot be on on <laughs> this is really informal, nothing scripted, as you can as you can uh, see it already exactly. or get used to That's that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, it's all of all of those. So I highly recommend those. Again, those are samples just for you to see it, and that is in preview. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's,
1: it's similar to the graphic uh, implementation of uh, Wow. I almost wanted to say ASR. It's not Azure migrate. Um, so similar to the graphical uh, interface, when you're uh, you know deciding on uh, the levels of hardware and storage that you're going to use, please do not just next, next, next. Don't accept all of the defaults. Read them, understand what's in your spreadsheet, and take the time to go yep. through it so that you can configure things correctly. So it gives you an opportunity right at the start. And you know what? Uh, you know, I I would say like. Eighty percent of the time, uh, you all you have to go back and adjust a bit later on because there's little differences. But yeah. it's so easy to spec a machine up. Why start at the higher cost uh, items? You know, start a little bit under uh, because you know the uh, one of the things I learned, especially from moving from uh, on-premises virtual to Azure virtual, was Two processing cores uh, on prem is not necessarily equal to two processing cores in Azure. So, uh, you know, Microsoft is always updating and upgrading their hardware and their data centers. And definitely businesses with small on prem data centers are not constantly updating hardware. It's expensive. Nice. So, that's one of the big advantages, way different conversation. But uh, it's important to note just assess your physical sizes for storage and uh, VMs and all of the things, right? So your network connections, all that stuff. And make sure you understand what's in the configuration. Don't just next and go through, read it, configure it. Um, And it's really, that's part of the job. And, uh, you know, feel free, contact Marcos, uh, we can help you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For sure, for sure. (laughs)
1: We can that's answer and, some questions too, that, right? So it's important. you know we are we do have Twitter and uh you know Instagram and all of the social media things. so you know people can reach out with questions as well and uh that's absolutely. part of it
0: or, or just leave a comment below if you are watching us from from YouTube um, mm-hmm. we will we will respond to that without any problem. but that's a very good segue to the our one of the last uh our last for this week. A long podcast about Azure updates. Um, that is related to virtual machines and related to SAP. So SAP uh, certified uh, the new series of virtual machines that will reduce the costs. Uh, and those virtual machines are uh, memory optimized. So this is a series of the um, the DV and the the the. EV3 in this case, the Series 3, that is uh, that announced in June 2020. Uh, So basically um, five. It took a few months
1: to get that HANA certification. Exactly. SAP. And and that is the
0: important part over here. It's not like, oh, uh, Microsoft just released a new version of virtual machines or a new hardware for SAP HANA. No, those virtual machines. What available for any type of workloads, although they need to go through a very early process of getting certified by SAP to host SAP HANA. Um, that's right. Is, yeah. So SAP word. HANA
1: is a, a special database that's used by SAP workloads and it runs in memory. So the VMs are made specifically with SAP HANA workloads in mind so, it's very memory and processor intensive. Yeah. And uh, they are available for any workload. You don't have to use those with SAP, but they're now certified by SAP. So, uh, you know, really, uh, I think for me, the difference is the VM is there. It's very powerful. It's ready to go. And SAP has now put the green check mark on it and said, yes, you can use these uh, and they will support. Uh, SAP HANA workloads. And I thought some of the numbers were really cool. So uh, they talked about 2,000 order lines per hour. Um, You know, that's pretty impressive, really. Uh, That's a lot of processing. But one of the things, and uh, I'm going to be honest, I don't understand necessarily the measurement of SAPs, uh, plural SAPs, but they talk about the D64DS version 4, getting 100,500 SAPs, a benchmark result that's uh, improved over the previous model by something like 35% or something. And at the same time of improving performance, they're reducing cost costs by 50 to 75% depending on the model grade of VM you use. Yeah.
0: And are you yeah. talking about VMs that in this, in this new version that they have 64 CPUs? And alpha of terabyte of memory, so they are they are massive. kind of they are kind of very nice machines. I love so. I remember last time I was on the project with ACPN, it gave me such a pleasure just deploying 128 CPUs VMs <laughs> with 500 gigs of memory. It was like
1: yeah baby
0: let's go let's see this and and you know one of those geek moments is and i i think i remember doing that it's just open the taskbar right open the the processors and see how many and counting to see if they they were really 128
1: (laughs) it's funny you do the same thing i like that
0: (laughs) because it's not every day let's let's be realistic it's not it's every crude. day it's that true. we're deploying these kind of, of things, but look, be able to deploy SAP Anna, it's not cheap, first of all, and yeah. be able to reduce the costs like, like you mentioned, and like you see right now on the screen, up to 50% on a smaller VMs or even on a larger ones, up to 55% cost reduction.
1: It's, yeah, that's a big deal for business because yes, these these is. are pricey, like you say. So you have uh, again. So from a business perspective, we think about you know you have the VM, you have also storage, then you also have licensing, uh, data egress. So you have uh, some different layers to think about when you build that SAP architecture, right? And certainly, there's people that specialize in just SAP architecture because it can be such a big uh, cost. What's the word I'm looking for? cost center. uh, If there's any kind of a misconfiguration, right? So, uh, you know, for me, uh, I'm not an SAP expert, but when it comes to Azure infrastructure, uh, you know, we have to look at how big these things are.
0: (laughs) No, exactly. And that is another, another thing is all of these big machines, and especially since SAP come to Azure, we're starting to see a lot of other things open up because we know that the cloud, it basically provides us with the abstraction layer, um, especially on the cloud, on, on the Azure IS, right? The infrastructure as a service uh, is the abstraction layer of the compute, storage and networking, right? But these machines are so big, right? And one of the things that SAP requires to come to Azure and in Azure kind of uh, not, not allow them, but they kind of uh, um, make them very welcome. Is you can have all of these big machines on a dedicated host in Azure. So mm-hmm. that abstraction layer now, you have dedicated hosts. You are still not managing that, but you have more secure that you don't have downtimes on this because, like you said. Uh, having a downtime on on the SAP Ana, that is a in-memory, uh, in-memory database system and everything else. If we, even if you restart the machine, all the in-memory goes because it's the yep. volatile memory, right? It's not exactly. it's not where you store on that on the on the disk. Um, so all of that is starting to any blimp that you have um, that you are allowed to have depending on SLA and depending on the virtual machine that you are doing and all of that contractual good stuff. Uh, they are taking care. So they, they make everyone else that they want to migrate their workloads from SAP, um, on-prem or whatever they want to Azure to make way more comfortable because it's like, you're running all of those powerful machines, like you're running on your infrastructure, like on-prem. Uh, although the costs probably it's way less expensive right uh, because you well, are not dealing with hardware and all of that and i've been on such migrations right. oh my god i remember last time i did uh, a physical upgrade of sap that i was involved was when i was working in portugal so a long time ago like 10 or 12 10 or 11 years ago um and it was like a project of I don't want to um if memory doesn't betray me it was like three or four months of project just to upgrade the hardware and Mm -hmm. at that time if i'm not mistaken we were moving from i don't remember what was but was from i think it was from linux i don't remember to um, hp ux with the new version of hardware and everything else So we did basically a side to side. I remember that part, a side to side. It was not even doing anything crazy. We spun up basically the, the, the huge, uh, footprint of SAP beside it. Um, and we basically starting to move the data and the services. And it was, if I'm not mistaken, a four months project with a lot of weekends. Without sleeping I can imagine it would be
1: it, it would be all after hours, and uh, you know that means you know evenings, nights, and weekends, and yeah. you know that can be difficult over time, right? So a three three or four month project, it's not only tough on us, our bodies and our minds, but it's hard on those around us, our families and friends. And so, it's only
0: on the migration because the preparation was I don't know how many months before mm-hmm.
1: that. that was exactly.
0: only the time of of, and that was the impact of the company. Imagine. At that time, I don't want to reveal the, the company or, or what was the industry, but it was the main system uh, of SAP. Usually it's the main system they have. So yeah. being able to, not be able, be able to just do this. Now with all of this cost, it makes easy because the good thing about moving this to to Azure is all of that hardware, it goes away. That's mm-hmm. not up to you.
1: And that's what I was thinking. So you had to do this very large upgrade to uh, you know improve uh, performance, add more compute and more memory for SAP. Now you schedule the outage, you shut down the VM, you upgrade the VM model. Uh, you know you move from 64 to 128 processors or uh, you Back know 256 base. gigs of RAM to 512 gigs of RAM. Just yeah. boom. boom. you reboot and away you go. Yeah. Begin your testing. Your upgrade is now done. So this is very impactful to large organizations and enterprises with big SAP uh, implementations. So uh, it is a big deal. It's a, it's interesting, right? So you know we talk about this last week and again this week. So we have these small updates. You know Azure Migrate PowerShell module. Uh, SAP has now certified these uh, VMs for their HANA workloads. Yeah, uh, These are major, major updates packed into a tiny little thing. So yeah, um, you know, go read Azure blog. Really important because <laughs> you can be things in yes. there yeah. that can really change your life. <laughs> it does, it does. So it's been a
0: long, this has been one of the longest uh, podcasts. Uh, once again, thank you, Andrew, uh, for, for being here and to just help me out and help everyone else to just talk about all of those updates. Uh, once again, uh, please give us uh, thumbs up uh, on the on the podcast. Subscribe if you are doing if you are watching us from YouTube, um, because help us to just spread all of this. If you have any uh, any comments, uh, do it below. Um, and once again, follow the Azure centric um, uh, Azure centric social media, and and hope you see you next week. Once again, awesome. thank you, thank you, Andrew, uh, for that. And yeah,
1: thank you for having me, Marcos.
0: Very often. <laughs>